I am so excited about what God's going to do and how God's going to do it. I know that God's got a uh, wonderful thing. As, as Brother Victor said to me just a moment ago, God's blessed this trip, and I uh, do believe that. Now, I did want to uh, uh, say something. Uh, you see me down here praying and worshiping. Uh, of course, I hate to abandon my post. But sometimes when God's just moving, you just got to do it, right? And I'd like to say before I am a musician or a singer, a pastor or a preacher or anything else, I am a Christian. And I put my relationship with Christ above all things. Hallelujah. So if that means that you have to give me a minute, let me just get, get a hold of God, then so be it. I apologize. You just go ahead and get a hold of God with me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But my priority here today is the Lord, the presence of the Lord and allowing Him to move. It is so wonderful to have each and every one of you here with us. It's wonderful to have all of our, our moms with us. Amen. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to have Rosanna and your, your family again with us. God bless you. It was wonderful meeting you. We got to see them at the restaurant just a couple days ago, and, and uh, they God arranged it where they sat right in front of us, and we thought that was wonderful. I got to see Noah again. Hallelujah. That precious boy. And uh, the new baby, I had not gotten a chance to see the new baby yet. We will be doing a baby dedication in June, uh, June 11th, I believe, if that's correct, for the new baby. We're thankful for that. So uh, wonderful to have her here. Uh, and praise God. Uh, it's, I'm just going to say I'm so thankful for my wife, who is the mother of my children. And all that she does, I could not... Uh, do enough to show her my appreciation, and I could not have chosen a better woman to raise my children. Uh, I, I don't know if I could say that I chose her, praise the Lord, but if I could say that, I would say I made certainly the right choice, and I'm so thankful for her. I'm thankful for uh, my mother-in-law who is with us today as well, hallelujah, on Mother's Day. It's wonderful to have her, and then I'll be able to see my mom a little bit later. My parents are coming over, and we'll be treating um, them as well as uh, my mother-in-law, I believe, I'm hoping, um, to, to dinner. But um, I, I hope you have some plans to honor your mother today. Uh, and I know not every mother uh, may have had actions that are deserving of honor. But the position alone deserves honor and respect. Uh, we say the same thing about leaders, right? Even governmental officials, we may recognize they've not done things that deserve that honor and respect. However, because of the position itself, they deserve that honor and respect. Uh, and I imagine uh, no matter how you've been treated by your mother or they, they've acted as you were born, the simple fact of birthing you <laughs> means they deserve that honor and respect. So I do hope that you, you have taken time, some forethought, to put a plan together and to make that happen. Today, it's going to appear that I'm talking to the mothers. Uh, I will be, but also hopefully to all of us and the parents in this house and uh, future parents, Brother Kavon. <clears throat> and... Uh, 
praise God. I know, it's, oh, everybody's like, wait a minute, who's he got pregnant? No. Uh, long future for Brother Kavan. Hopefully not too long, though. Uh, but praise the Lord, I am going to be preaching on that, and I know I'm not a mother, but hopefully I can bring some things out of the Word of God that will bless you today. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, then came to him, Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children. Everybody say, mother of Zebedee's children. With her sons. She came with her sons. Everybody say, she came with them worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of Jesus or asking a certain thing of Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, What wilt thou? And the mother of Zebedee's children said unto him, Grant or command that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, it was required at this point that the boys speak up. You see, the mother could present them to Jesus, but it was only the boys that could then uh, agree to the terms. They said unto Jesus, we are able. Jesus said unto him, Indeed ye shall drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. However, to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. You'll notice that he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't rebuke the children, the two sons, he doesn't cast them away. He just simply says, that's not mine to give, but I recognize you have the potential to be in that position. If we could quickly go to the next book, to Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, just one, uh, just a couple more short passages of Scripture. Mark 3 verse 14 I still hear pages flipping, hallelujah, and thumbs clicking. <laughs> pages flipping, thumbs clicking. That's good. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And he ordained 12. Jesus ordained 12 that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter. And James, everybody say James. The son of Zebedee. You notice that in Matthew it was the mother of Zebedee's children. Now we're son of Zebedee. James, these are the two boys. James and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them, or he gave them a nickname, Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. Today I'd like to preach for just a little bit on that title, the sons of thunder. 
Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Just ask that God would speak to us. Hallelujah. Come on, can you lift up your voice right now unto the Lord and say, Jesus, we want to move of your spirit. We want you to touch us, Lord, not just for our sakes, but for our sons and our daughters' sakes, for our city's sake. Oh, Lord, for this society's sake, we want you to touch us. We want you to move in our heart. We want you to speak to us, Lord God. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Jesus. Whatever you want to do in us, Lord God, you have your way. Take your liberty in my heart. Take your liberty in my mind. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I rejoice in your name. There is none greater than you, God. There's none greater than you, Jesus. Not one, Lord God. Not one. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Can I ask you something? Can we have church this Mother's Day? Is that all right? Can we have some church for the next 30, 45 minutes? Hallelujah. All right, let's be honest. 45 minutes. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I see people checking their watches on me. They say, all right, I got you, Pastor. We'll see. Hallelujah. James and John. These are incredible men in the Gospels. Of course, we see in Mark that it is detailing those disciples. He starts with Peter. Peter, of course, we all know Peter. Peter is the one who stood on the day of Pentecost and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If I could just make a quick plug. In. If you've not repented of your sins, today's a great day for it. If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, today's a great day for it. If you've not received that wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence or the sign of speaking in other tongues, today is a great day for it. Amen. Hallelujah. We all know Peter, the one who stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Some of the other disciples, though, we may know a little less of. James and John were mentioned in Mark chapter 3 uh, directly after Peter. Um, it would appear that God or Jesus, when He was on the earth, though He had, uh, in fact, He had many more disciples than 12, but it was the 12 that He brought with Him most places. And even within the 12, it would appear He had even a smaller group of three. Those were the three that Jesus would not part with the, almost the entire time he was on the earth. It was Peter, James, and John. Uh, they were in the inner circle, if you will, of the disciples, along with only Peter. These two brothers, and, and you know, it just blows my mind that they would be brothers, that they would both be right there. You'd think, you know, only one of them. Uh, maybe would reach to that level, but these two brothers would be allowed to go with only Peter and Jesus only uh, almost everywhere. In fact, 
up on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you remember that story where Jesus transformed before their eyes and all of a sudden they saw Elijah and Moses and and, and it was just a, a wonderful sight. There were only three of the disciples there. Peter, James, and John, the two brothers. When Jesus was at His most desperate moment, the moment where the reality of His sacrifice was hitting Him, He had to separate Himself into the Garden of Gethsemane. He took all twelve, but the Bible says the other disciples He left a little ways. He took only Peter, James, and John with Him into that garden He separated them, wanting Peter, James, and John to have a front seat to what was about to happen. We know absolutely that John was at the crucifixion. It is believed that James also witnessed it, but possibly afar off. They were both waiting there in the upper room when the Spirit of the Lord was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah, I'm excited. Praise God. These are both men that if you're not familiar with them, I hope today you will be. James, one of the nicknames for James is James the Great. We know him in the the book of Acts because he was the only one martyred for the gospel that the Bible records specifically. He was the proto-martyr of the twelve disciples, the only one whose death was recorded in the New Testament. And there's really just too much that we could say about John beyond what we've already said. After the Gospels, the book of Acts, after the book of Acts, we know he wrote several books of your New Testament. Today, we, if you open up your, your Bibles into the index, you'll see several books written directly from John, the son of Zebedee. He wrote, of course, the Gospel of John, which is one of the greatest accounts of the Gospel story and of Jesus. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which is in your Bible. And then, of course, he wrote the book of Revelations one of the most prophetic, spiritual, and anointed book in all of the Bibles. Five books altogether. That means a large portion of that Bible you hold in your hands. It was written by John. John is known by many names. He's known by the disciple whom Jesus loved. Seems like every time we see him in Scripture, he's got his head on the chest of Jesus and he's embracing Jesus. Oh, to be able to embrace Jesus. Hallelujah. He's known as the other disciple. He's known as John of Patmos. Patmos being the island which he wrote or had the the revelations, the visions that are in the book of Revelations. He's known as John the Divine. John the Revelator. John the theologian. And finally, John the son of thunder. John the son of thunder. James the son of thunder. To state that these were important men 
to the church and to us today is an understatement. So important that they had a nickname. Jesus himself, you see, you know, Peter, we know his name was actually Simon. Jesus gave him a nickname, Peter, because Peter means small rock or little rock. And Peter would be that little rock which would pave the way for that big rock that would come, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Peter's name was changed, and he also changed the name of James and John. He called them Bonagis, the sons of thunder. Now, there's many reasons that people have presented as to why they were called the sons of thunder. There is a, a, a large amount of people who believe it was because of their vehemence or their zeal for Jesus Christ. We see that zeal when there were people who were kind of acting nasty towards Jesus and they said, Jesus, give me permission right now. We'll call fire down from heaven and consume them all. <laughs> I said they were important. I didn't say they were always smart. Praise God. And Jesus said, now, now, that's, that's enough. None of that talk. We're, we're not here to call fire down from heaven to consume people physically, only spiritually, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So maybe it was their vehemence and their zeal. Maybe it was their intensity and their passion that it wasn't just a borderline, a small thing. No, they were in it. They were 100%. John was laying on the chest of Jesus. I want to be in it. I want to be 100%. Hallelujah. I want to be intense. Hallelujah. Oh, what would it be like if somebody looked at you and said, man, they're intense about their walk with God. Hallelujah. I've said it before. I'd rather had to rein people in than to have to try to light a fire underneath them. If you want to be passionate around here, this is the place to get passionate. You want to be on fire around here, this is the place to be on fire. Hallelujah. You want to dance and shout, you go ahead and dance and shout. Whatever you want to do, you go ahead and be on fire. Be intense. Have a zeal for the Lord. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's clap. Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I don't know why Jesus gave them that name specifically, but I can tell you one thing. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. This is something that God gave me a little while ago in prayer. Hallelujah. Where God, I felt, you know, maybe it was because of this. Maybe it was because of that. But truly, hallelujah, the sons of thunder got their thunder from their mother. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. James and John, the sons of thunder, Jesus recognized they've got a passion. They've got a love for me. They've got a vehement desire. But he also recognized they didn't get that on their own. There was a little lady that came to him worshiping him. Hallelujah. And they, she had their sons right next to her. Hallelujah. She came worshiping and saying, Jesus, would you put my boys next to you in the kingdom of... Oh, praise God. Now, I want you to consider that for a moment. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
whose kingdom is not of this world. You believe, hallelujah, that he's come to destroy, wipe out the Roman armies. He's about to name himself ruler over the earth. Think about that for a moment. Ruler over the earth. And yet this woman whose kids were mere fishermen had the gall, the audacity, the boldness to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't want my boys just to be some followers of you. Hallelujah. I don't want them just to be on the sideline or to sit in the back seat. No, there's space on the left of you and space on the right of you. That's where I want my sons to be right there. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Oh, come on. We need some parents here today who will stand to their feet and say, I want my boys, my daughters to the left and to the right. I want them to the left and to the I want them right next to Jesus. I want them right next to what Jesus is doing. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I don't want my children sitting in the back seat. Hallelujah. On the sideline. Come on, you want to raise children who are on fire for God? You got to get some thunder in you. You got to get some thunder in you. You got to some boldness in you. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let, let, me, let me put this even in, in, in a more clear perspective. Hallelujah, today, your children, maybe you've got children that are grown. Hallelujah. And I'm sure they're extremely successful. Mom, you wouldn't see me any other way. That's all right. Hallelujah. But even at the state they are now, maybe they don't have the greatest education. Maybe they're working, you know, a, a, a job where they're providing and, and all that, and that's great, but it's not the most glamorous of jobs. And yet you have the boldness to go to Biden and say, Biden, I want my son sitting next to you in Air Force One. I want my son, when you do that press conference, I want my boys to the sides of you. Hallelujah. Would you have the gall, the audacity, the boldness to do that today? That's the idea of this woman. This woman, the, the mother of Zebedee's children. That's her desire. Today, I don't want to preach to you just about James and John. I want to preach to you about a woman named Salome. The mother of Zebedee's children. The one who raised the sons of thunder. Hallelujah. Praise God. If we ever caught just a glimpse of who she was and we applied it to our lives, I wonder what our kids would do for the Lord. I wonder what our kids would do for God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, he's already crying for my preaching. Hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm, I know some others are going to be doing it too. Praise God. I told them on Wednesday night, I said, listen, I'd rather preach over crying than not have crying at all. 
Hallelujah. I'd rather children be in the church, our children be here in the presence of God, than not at all. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him. Worshiping him. Hallelujah. Go ahead and put it back if you could. Praise the Lord. What verse is it? Verse 20. Verse 20. Children worshiping Him and desiring a thing from Him. That might be a different translation, brother. I'm not sure. But it says that they came, she came worshiping Him and desiring or asking a certain thing of Him. And if you read it in the Gospels, you'll see right there as she's coming worshiping is her sons, James and John, with her. Let me tell you something. She was not willing to go worshiping Jesus without her children. She was not willing to go worshiping her children without her children. Now listen, I want to be careful here because I recognize there's parents today, your children are not in the truth. They're not coming to church and all that. Listen, I respect that you keep standing. You keep loving them. You keep, you keep praying for them. Hallelujah. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Hallelujah. But if you've got children young enough, you need to be bringing those children with you to worship God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, praise God, to try to care for that child. We've got two of them that we've had to take care of from infants. My, my wife, she had our first child. And within the next week, she was having to get up there and play and sing. We had the baby on the platform. The baby started crying. It just had to sing through it. <laughs> Praise God. As soon as it's done, she'd have to take the baby and go in the back and, and take care of her, him. I know how difficult that can be. We've done it. Praise God. But that very same baby that was literally raised on the platform only a couple months ago received the Holy Ghost and got baptized in the name of Jesus and preached his first sermon up on that platform. I'm not trying to glorify ourselves. I'm just saying we were willing to bring them with us when we came to church. I wouldn't have it any other way. No other way. It doesn't matter if they've got to sit underneath the chairs and color. They're still listening. And they're still experiencing. And they're still watching. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So parents, bring your children to church. But let's not presume that that's it, that's it alone. Hallelujah. Don't just bring them to church. Bring them to worship. Bring them to worship. Hallelujah. You're going to go down to the altar. Bring your children down to the altar with you. And I know it means that you're not going to be able to really pray like you want to, worship like you want to. I know that, hallelujah, but God, they're worth it. Oh, they're worth it. If you bring them down and worship with you. 
Hallelujah. You're going to go down and dance. You bring them along and let them dance too. You're going to go down to pray. Bring them along. Let them pray too. Hallelujah. But when you're going to worship, bring your children with you. Let them worship with you. Hallelujah. And when they get a little wild and when they get a little crazy and when they do things that is obviously out of line, don't go over to them and yell at them and punish them. Hallelujah. And I'm not, I'm saying when they're, they're acting weird with worship and they're acting like they're, you know, they're yelling too loud and they're being obnoxious. Don't go up to them and, and curse them or, you know, punish them or anything. You go up to them and say, no, listen, this is how it's done. Do it like me. And then you show them how to worship. And you show them how to pray. You show them how to praise the Lord. There's an old uh, a comedian, Mark Lowry. Anybody ever heard of Mark Lowry? He gives this joke. He says, when I was a child, my parents drugged me. Since they drugged me to church every single Sunday, every Wednesday, hallelujah. They drugged me every, every time the church doors were open. Praise God. And I, I know that might sound, sound bad, but, but let me tell you, you've got to bring your children to church. If there's anything that we teach our kids in this life, anything we pass along to them, let it be our worship. Let it be our relationship with God. Let it be our relationship with God. So there's three things today I want to talk about. If you could throw up that, that first slide. Three things. How to raise children of thunder. Number one, it's got to be our example. We can't force it. We can't. We can't punish it into them. If you use prayer, fasting, church, anything spiritual as punishment, they will always see spiritual things as punishment. But if you show them how much you love it and how much you desire it, hallelujah, then they'll see how good it is. Praise God. The, the funny thing is, is that James and John, their nickname was the Sons of Thunder, but Salome, the mom's name, it actually means peaceful. <laughs> now, that doesn't, that's not to say she didn't have the thunder in her, praise God. But it actually means peaceful. And we see in Mark 15, 40, that Salome is just as much a part of the disciples of Christ as the, the 12 disciples were. We know that with, the, with Jesus Christ, there was a group of women that traveled with him everywhere he went. Mark 15, 40 tells us that Salome was actually at the crucifixion. She was also one of the first to visit the tomb of Christ after he had arisen. 
Salome is recognized with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene as one of the three women who followed Jesus and his disciples everywhere they went, taking care of their needs. Could that be said of us? Hallelujah. If we want our children to be followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on now, do as I say, not what I do, does not work. It doesn't work in the church. It doesn't work outside the church. Rather, it should be do as I do and be who I am. Hallelujah. you got to decide in your heart, I'm going to be the example for what I want my children to be in. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, Salome. Yeah, you want your children sitting on the right hand and the left hand? Then you're going to have to follow after Jesus. You're going to have to show them that even if all you're doing is cooking his meals, you're going to be right there with Jesus. Even if all you're doing is just sitting at the foot of the cross, you're going to be right there. You're going to be one of the first ones to the tomb. Why? Because you're going to be anointing the body of Jesus. So you think... If you want your children to sit on the left and the right, you're going to have to be the example for them. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Look at this, 2 Timothy 1.5. I remember, if you could, try to switch that back over. Thank you. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee, look at this, which dwelt first. Everybody say it, dwelt first. In thy grandmother Louise and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is in thee also, Timothy. I know you've got a passion for God. I know that you've got a boldness in the Lord. I know you're going to be a great pastor to this church. This is Paul sending a letter to his young uh, a Padawan, if you will, his young, young mentoree. And he's sending him a letter because he's now becoming a pastor over a church that Paul started. And he says, I know, I remember the faith that is in you. I know that God's going to do great things through you. How do I know that? that it's because it didn't start with you it first started with your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice and therefore I am persuaded I know for a fact because it was in them first it's in you come on it's got to be in me first it's got to be in me first if it's not in me I can't expect it to be in them it's got to be in me first everybody take that big bony finger of yours and point it to yourself it's got to be in me first it's got to be in me first I've got to do it hallelujah if you want your children to worship you've got to worship everybody say first you want your children to come to church you got to come to church you want your children to pray you've got to first if you want your children to read the Bibles, you've got to be first. You've got to do it first. It must be in me first. 
because what is in you will be in them, like it or not. Can I get some, some witness today from some of our older parents who can say, like it or not, what's in me is going to be in them. <laughs> you want to make them better than you. I know you do. You want to make them better, you got to get better. I don't know why I felt there's a, an anointing off of that right now. If you want them to be better, you've got to get better. I remember being a youth pastor. I picked up kids all the time and took them to youth class and youth services. I remember there being one family. This was a large family. I mean, they, they, she had probably seven kids, and they were pretty rough kids. Uh, I only had to call the cops on them once. <laughs> and she'd call me. She'd say, oh, Aaron, can you come pick up my kids and take them to church? You know, okay, sure, this is youth night. I'll come do it. Okay, all right. But then she started calling me for Sundays. Can you come pick up my kids and take them to church on Sundays? Well, what's wrong? Why can't you go? Oh, I, I got some shopping to do. I got some stuff to do. Listen, church should not be babysitter. I didn't feel anointing on that one. Hallelujah. Felt resistance. Church shouldn't be a babysitter. Don't send your kids to church so you got a couple hours to yourself. Can you come pick up my kids? Listen, I have no issues if trying to find a, an easy way for your kids to come to church. I've just decided I never want anybody to pick up my kids. I want to make sure that if they're going to church, I'm going to be right there with them. Hallelujah. And rather, they're going to be right there with me. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what it is. I want to make sure I'm there. I'm not saying you can't have Brother Kavan come pick up your kids. Brother Kavan will do that. <laughs> I'm volunteering him right now. I'm not saying you can't have him come pick them up for youth nights. But I'm saying you can't expect your kids to go to church when you don't want to. Or you won't go. Sister Varnum, a, a pastor's wife in a very large church. This is an amazing church. A church that we base a lot of what we do around here off of. Souls Harbor in Bellevue, Florida. Somebody asked her, their children are incredible. You go to their services, you'll see their children. I'm talking eight, nine years old. They're in the altar for 30 minutes before service, an hour after service, and they're down there by themselves praying and worshiping and getting a hold of God. Somebody once asked her, how did you get your children to worship so much? How did you get that to happen? How did you install that in them? And everybody waited for some in-depth response. She just simply said, we worship and they follow. We worship and they follow. Everybody say first. It's got to be in first. And that means if it's in me first, I got to make it a priority. If you could throw up that second slide. How to raise children of thunder by my priorities. She could have asked of anything of Jesus. She could have asked that Jesus make them businessmen, greatly intelligent, great strength, 
But all she wanted was for them to be in his presence. That was her request. Was that they would be in her presence, in his presence. Matthew 20, 21. He said specifically, what wilt thou? She said, grant that these two sons may be sit, the one on thy right hand, the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. I want them to be part of the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 tells us, Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first. Not only should it be first in me, but it should be my first priority is the kingdom of God. Parents work so hard to get a place of authority for their kids. They make sure that they put away money for their education. They bother them nonstop about their homework. They push them to get a new, better job. They want to see their kids succeed. I'm all for it. I've got no issues with any of that. But when it comes to church, there's parents who often say, well, they just don't want to do it. Oh, praise God. I'm here to tell you, hallelujah, if we're going to push them to do their homework that they don't want to do, if we're going to push them to go to school early in the morning that they don't want to do, we're going to push them to get an education or go on that sports team or practice that musical instruments, we should also be pushing them to pray and to read their Bible and to go to church and to get a hold of God. Hallelujah. Because God forbid I raise a child that is greatly successful in this life, yet has nothing to show for the kingdom of God. God forbid I raise a child that might have a grand tombstone, yet is not sharing the kingdom of heaven with me. I don't know about you, but my first priority needs to be that my children make it to heaven and that they have a walk with God and that they're in the ministry and they're doing what God wants them to do. Is this all right today? Let's go. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Hallelujah. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. John is one of the sons of thunder. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They saw that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Somebody said that about your child, you'd probably smack them. Unlearned, ignorant men, you're saying that my child is not educated, is not wise, doesn't know what they're doing. They're unlearned, they're ignorant, yet look at what the Bible says. 
in the rest of that verse. Yet they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What if at the end of the day, nobody ever recognizes your child for their intelligence? Nobody ever recognizes your child for their good looks? Nobody ever recognizes your child for their financial handling? But yet, they could say, this is a man or woman of God. They have been with Jesus. What a great testimony! What a great thing to be able to say. My child has been with Jesus. Maybe they don't have everything else. But if they've been with Jesus, that's the number one priority. I'm not saying don't do any of the other stuff. I'm saying make sure it's secondary to Christ. Secondary to the kingdom. Hallelujah. If you want them to put Jesus first in their lives, then you need to show them that you want them to put Jesus first. My daughter has said to me, both my children have said to me at one point or the other, oh, I don't want to go to church, or do we have to pray, or do we have to do that? First of all, I'll tell them, yes, you have to go to church. In our house, it's not an option. Hallelujah. Why? Because I want them to know it's a priority. If I'm going to make sure I'm at work at 3 a.m., praise God. (laughs) I'm going to make sure I'm at work at 3 a.m. every day. You better believe I'm going to make sure I'm here at 11 a.m. for Sunday morning worship every week. Why? Because I want it to be a priority. And if I'm going to do it at my job, I'm going to make sure I'm doing it at church. Praise God. I'm sorry. You wanted a good, cute little Mother's Day sermon, and yet you're getting this. Hallelujah. If I want my kids to make it a priority, because if I don't make it a priority, they will not make it a priority. And my children have said, I don't want to go, or or something like that. First, I'll say they have to go to church. But if they say the same thing about prayer worship, I'll say, listen, I won't make you pray. But I will tell them, I would love for you to pray with me. And I'm really sorry if you don't want to pray because I think prayer is so important. And I'd love for you to do it with me. Show them that it matters to you, but it's got to matter to you, right? You can't fake it. Children are smarter than that. You can't fake it. It's got to be in you first. You can skip church and be fine. You can. Because you understand what really matters. You've already built in some core principles in your life. Your children do not have the privilege to your already established foundation. They may not be able to make it without going to church every week. They're still trying to figure this out. They're building their faith system. You may have a a foundation to stand on, but they do not. That's why Proverbs 22 and 6, it tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Not the way they want to go. Let me say that again. It's not the way they want to go. 
say, well, I know best for my children. You're right because they're children. And they've yet to learn what is important in life. They don't know that it's important to eat healthy. They just want what pleases them right now because they've not learned priorities. So you don't train them up in the way that they want to go. Their opinion is removed from the equation. You raise them up, showing them what is right so that they will learn it because when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he will not depart from it. If you train them when they're young and when you still have that influence, when they're in your house, that's the, the priority because there's parents today that can say they didn't do it. Parents today, and I, I, I hope I don't hurt anybody by saying this, hallelujah, but you're our witness today that there's children not in church because at the time maybe you didn't do that. And I'm not saying that's everybody. Sometimes, sometimes children just walk away even after you do everything right. Hallelujah. But we have to train them up in the way they should go. There are probably people today who wished they trained their children when they were young. You've got to do it. The third and find a way to raise children with that thunder, that gusto, that boldness, that vehement desire, is you've got to release them. It's your release. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, it shows us that James and John were both in a boat with their father fishing. I'm almost done. Jesus walked by and simply said, follow me. And the boys left immediately their father's business and followed after Jesus. Their father would join them later on. Salome and Zebedee allowed James and John to connect with Jesus and his disciples and to become one of them. In fact, that was the priority. I don't want them. I had somebody just a couple days ago. Bridget might have heard this conversation. When I'm at work, I'm kind of like a covert pastor. I don't tell everybody I'm a pastor. Some people start having conversations and I'm listening. And I'm, I, oh man, I wanted to speak up so bad. I had to bite my tongue. But I heard this lady come in and she started talking to a gentleman. And she said, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. And, and, uh. Uh, you know, we've raised our children to believe in Christ Jesus and all that. And, and, and the, the man uh, that she was talking to, he said, oh, yeah, what church do you go to? So, well, we don't really go to church. She said, but we do make sure we have family dinners. And I thought, that's wonderful. And I'm not going to knock that. But... Is that enough to say you're releasing them into hands of God? You're not connecting them to a church. You're not connecting them to a body of Christ. You're not letting them become part of the kingdom of God. You're reserving them in your home. Listen, and I love it. If you teach your children that and home, you should do that. But you've also got to learn how to connect them and release them. 
to be part of the kingdom of God. Is this all right today? I still got you with me. See, because what I wanted to do, and I almost pulled her aside. Thank God we were busy because it probably wouldn't have gone well. I wanted to pull her aside because she kept saying, you know, we teach our children you don't have to go to church. You have to be the church. I wanted to pull her aside and ask her, do you know what the word church actually means? The word church literally means a gathering of people. This idea that you be the church but don't go to church, it's actually a false statement because it literally means when Jesus is gathering people together to worship together. I literally cannot be the church sitting at home. I can only be part of the church when I gather together with other believers. You can be a Christian at home, but you actually can't be the church in the specific definition how Jesus used that word. Hallelujah. So if we want our children to be part of the church, we actually got to bring them to the gathering of the people of God, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. People's. I'm getting on some people's kids and you say, oh, I don't do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we've got to be willing to release them and say, I want them to be part of this. Even if that means I lose a little bit of their time or their control or their whatever. Hallelujah. I want them to be part of this. Hallelujah. I want them to have their own relationship with God. I want them to have their own ministry. Oh, I can tell you that there's nothing that has impacted my life more than at 14 years of age. My parents releasing me on my first mission trip at 14 to go to Argentina for 12 days to preach the gospel. Hallelujah, I was not, <laughs> I was not mature enough to go on a trip like that. They knew not a single soul that was going on that trip. Yet they said, I need my child to be part of this. I'm going to release them to do the work of God. John 19, 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, the Mary of the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, John, he saith unto his mother, Mary, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to his disciple, John. Salome was sitting right next to him right there. She is right there at the crucifixion with him. Yet he looks at John. Jesus looks at John and says, John, Mary is now your mother. It says, Behold thy mother. The Bible says, From that hour, the disciple took Mary into his own home and took care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yet we still see after that, Salome was the first to the tomb of Christ. She didn't get upset, get aggravated. I'm the mother of John, not Mary. 
She didn't say, well, one day I'm going to be older and, and I'm going to need somebody to take care of me. Is John going to take care of me? She said, no. The mother of Jesus is his priority now. There's some moms in this place that needs to release their children to take down the church. I know some parents who have literally told me I don't want my kids to be preachers or pastors because I know the hardships that they're going to face. Listen, I understand it. I felt the same way about my kids, but God forbid I hold them back from the kingdom of God and them doing something for the Lord. Can we stand right now? Hannah prayed for years, yet she was barren. She prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. Finally, she got bold enough to pray a prayer that I believe was most effective. She said, God, if you will give me a child, if you'll give me my firstborn, if you'll allow me to raise a boy of my own, then when that boy comes of age, I will return him to you. I can imagine probably one of the hardest things she's ever had to do. But she returned that boy to the Lord. And that boy became Samuel, the prophet that anointed the first king of Israel. Hallelujah. I know today you've prayed and you've, you've worked so hard. You've changed diapers, as my wife has said. You've fed them. You've made them a priority. You've taken care of them. I believe the voice of God is crying out and saying, will you release them back to me now? Would you give me your children and let me touch them? Would you release your children into my hands? Let me take care of them. Let me show them how to live. Let me show them what a priorities they should have. Would you release them to the kingdom of God? Of course, I'm not talking literally. I just mean today. Would you have a heart and a desire that says, I want my children to be part of the kingdom of God? Uh, what even if that means that maybe they're not going to be a doctor, they could still be a doctor. But if that means they're never going to be a doctor, I want them to be part of the ministry. If that means they'll never have fame and wealth in this world, but they are part of the kingdom of God. Jesus, I release them into your hands. Jesus, I release them into your hands. I'm looking for some parents right now that would come down to this altar and you would bring that child, I don't mean literally, but bring them and give them into the hands of Christ. I know we've got parents today whose children are